Hi, I'm Ella Frasnick and welcome to the Unequal Truths podcast, where we hear from successful professionals currently working in the market research industry who, like me, entered from low-income backgrounds. Listen in as guests share their personal journeys in market research and we explore what we can all learn from their experiences to help our industry become more inclusive. Today I'm talking to Rajdeep Chana. So thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the podcast. I am going to do a quick introduction. You joined the market research industry around 12 years ago. You started as an account executive at Toluna and worked your way up to account director. And you worked there for a decade, basically, until you uh, joined Lucid, which is your present present place of work and you've always specialised sort of on the supplier side within online quant and basically you're an amazing salesperson aren't you you're like really awesome with clients and and you do really well (laughs) selling in all all the products you're making me blush now (laughs) I I, I've had had some success so um yeah it's gone so well for me and so you know I'm I'm proud of that yeah as you should be do not be (laughs) modest do not be modest yeah you know credit where credit is due well done so you've been in the industry a while basically haven't you Absolutely, it's, it's yeah, definitely it's been a long time, and so I had my two children in, in that time as well, two lovely girls. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been an incredible journey and an enjoyable journey actually. Um, and yeah, I, I'm still in it. I suppose the reason why that is is because I am I'm, I'm challenged, and I like taking challenges. So um, it's it's all good. And uh, if anything, the people I work with is what makes it you know enjoyable and this is the reason why I'm still here. Well, I'm going to start with a few sort of get to know you questions, which is just top of mind. Please far away. Excellent. So what is your favourite colour? Yellow. Good colour. Uh, what yeah, is your star right. sign? <laughs> Gemini. What is your favourite animal? I, yeah, I'm not really fond of dogs <laughs> and things. But yeah, I do like rabbits because they're small and they're furry and they're, they're pretty to look at. But yeah, I'm not really an a animal pet person. <laughs> we, can, we can go with rabbits. Um, favorite food? I love Japanese. Mm, yeah. Oh, I, I love- remember having Japanese with you actually in Manchester. <laughs> and, oh, that was good. That was good. Um, and, uh, oh, that food was amazing. <laughs> it was. Um, who would you want you uh, to play you in a movie of your life? Oh my God, Angelina Jolie in Salt. Uh, that's a good film. So I just, I, I, you know, someone like, a very like you know that confident and powerful. And finally, <laughs> what superpower would you like to have if you could have a superpower? I want to fly just to get places quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I'm sure you're not going to be the only one who says fly. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, should we get should we get into the the conversation a bit more? So, I think the first thing that would be useful for listeners to hear really is just a bit about your background, how you describe your background, and how it differentiated you from peers working in the industry. Absolutely. Yes. So, I'm an Indian British female from a low income background. So I grew up going to like below average schools in a predominantly core Indian area, which is which is So having grown up with parents doing all hours around the clock to earn a living for them, I, you know, I didn't get the privileges, the sort of extra attention to my education and, and you know all those lovely extracurriculum activities um, to sort of help me develop and advance myself. 
So in fact, in my childhood, I don't even remember getting any toys to play with. It was Aww. a very basic, I know, very basic, simple childhood with like very limited luxuries. Um, but so when I entered the MR industry, I noticed that there was a diverse mix of cultures. So reassuring, reassuringly, I wasn't the only Indian female, you know, which was somewhat comforting. But what I did realize instantly was the sort of vast communication difference in verbally and in writing. Mm. And, you know, I actually remember how eloquent and polished and you know, intelligent and self-possessed these people were. That really stood out to me. And I think that perhaps was a bit intimidating at that point anyway. Yeah, so I recognized most of these people had received very good education and had come from, all come from high income backgrounds. Also, most of the leaders and staff were white. Mm-hmm. So I joined the sales team. So other than a new join that started with me, um, who I still keep in touch with, she's amazing, with similar background, there was no other Asian, black, males or females in the sales department. However, soon after, I started seeing a change. So mm-hmm. that was interesting. What do you think provoked that change? I don't know. I mean, this is going back obviously 12 years mm. ago, but perhaps, you know, they may, you know, someone may have enforced them that, you know, you need to perhaps have a, a diverse mix. They, they must have realized that this is predominantly white. But yeah, I mean, interesting. I mean, it was a very, it was a small startup at that point, you know, it was a very mm. new company at that point. But um, yeah, that's interesting to have realized that it was in the sales team, majority of them were white, mm. and especially the senior leaders so the MDs, the account directors yeah all the senior sort of salespeople were white so myself and my colleague were the only asian females in, in the department that had joined and then after that i remember them hiring uh, an asian male and then a black male as well so yeah it, it soon i started seeing the change which was yeah it's interesting mm, yeah i mean and so uh, how did you feel i suppose and did you did you notice a difference as things began to change? Like, did that personally impact you or did it make no difference? Yeah, I think at that point, I think because I was obviously, you know, that little bit naive and young, I perhaps didn't notice it. And I think because I had joined with, with a colleague of mine who was from a similar background, I think that alone was so comforting. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it made much of a difference. So luckily, they were all amazing. But yeah, it was... I mean, you know, the fact that obviously, you know, the communication difference, yes, that, you know, that did make a a sort of difference. But yeah, no, at that point, I think I was so new and very junior. So it was all just trying to get my head around things. But looking at it now, gosh, this is the big thing, right? (laughs) It shouldn't be done. And so tell me a bit more about your sort of your journey in market research. So some of the sort of key steps to where you are today. Yeah, so I think, you know, you may have heard it a few times. And I think, in fact, we both recently did an, an event at the Wire event. I actually just ended up falling into it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I found um, the more Taluna via High Street recruitment agency in 2008. So I had a few jobs after I graduated, but it wasn't giving me that sort of job satisfaction. So I wanted to work for an exciting industry, you know, a, a job that stimulated and challenged me. Mm. Uh, so when the opportunity came, I took it because, you know, it was analytical and, you know, the way they sold it to me was like, oh, my God, I really want to want to do this and try this. So, yeah, that's really how it ended up. You know, I ended up being an account executive. So I had to, I, I ended up having to take sort of steps down just so I could enter the industry because prior to that, I was an account manager at a um, car leasing firm. So, mm. That was probably a bit disappointing, but um, I had to start somewhere. 
And so, yeah, I took it and then, you know, I was there for 10 years. So what helped me was working with some amazing line managers. I mean, gosh, you know, who really understood my potential and gave me the time and chance to pick up things at my own pace. So that, I, I valued that a lot. Um, I think my determination and enthusiasm helped me along the way as well. And, you know, again, thankfully, I worked with some wonderful people that supported me with tasks that perhaps I needed extra support with, such as my technical skills or even sort of client meetings. What hindered me was perhaps having some insecurities of the lack of MR knowledge and communication differences, which didn't help my confidence levels at all. And because of that, it meant promotion came much later than it should have. And in fact, actually, I, I do clearly remember being very reluctant to take on the sales role from the support role I was doing. So I don't know who the reasons for that was because of the fear of failing due to it being quite target orientated, like everyone knows. I saw the pressure it put people under and unfortunately I witnessed some people actually fail, which was mm. terrifying, I think. <laughs> yeah, which is understandable. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's pretty terrifying. Yeah, I, I can understand that. <laughs> So talk to me a bit more about this sort of confidence piece. So some other people that I've spoken to have mentioned this a little bit. And I suppose, I mean, I'm sure everyone at certain times gets a little bit of imposter syndrome or struggles with confidence. However, I think it's fair to say that people coming from lower income, you know, that kind of background, it can also have an impact. And I just wondered the extent to which you feel like that that was the case for you? Yes, yeah. Confidence was really low at the beginning. It really was. I do remember this. I remember, you know, it was just going in every day, especially in the first few months, was, oh my God, wonder what I'm going to get challenged with today, you know? Every day was different. And that was probably because of the lack of experience. And also, it, it was because, you know, the people I worked with, they were so well polished, you know, they, they, they spoke so well. They were doing very well overall. And so I think at that point, I was trying to match up to them so quickly, but they're not just being proud of what I was doing and, you know, really valuing that. I, don't, I think that's where I think I probably went wrong. Talk to me a bit about that. What do you mean by that? I think things like just really understanding the industry and at that point, we were doing a lot of bid requests and things. So just make, I think what the, what the worry was is, just making errors and every time an error was made it was highly noticed and because of that I think there were times where we were told and told quite bluntly and obviously you're in you know you're sort of in probation period so it was all really scary like oh my god are they gonna keep me on and they, am I gonna pass this probation period so yeah that I mean I had obviously you know a few roles before that but that probably was the most scariest time for me Mm. When it was with the confidence, so but you know, I mean, everyone was very helpful. They were brilliant, but yeah, I do remember that due to perhaps certain people, you know, it, it was it was terrifying, and it was oh my god, I cannot make any errors. I want to make sure I nail this. So I was being hard on myself, I think, and yeah. maybe it was because, and I don't think I, you know, I mean, I'll probably get into this later, but I, I'm, I don't, you know, think I, I spoke up enough or asked enough questions. Yeah, interesting. And so tell me how you sort of managed to, because I don't know, do you still feel sometimes get lack of, you know, feelings like that to this day? Is is that something that still sort of haunts you occasionally or have you managed to overcome? And, and I suppose the, the question behind it, I'll get there, um, is what helped you to overcome? Absolutely. I think now when I sort of look at myself, of course, the journey has helped me a lot. I 
do try to ask a lot more questions. I do try to learn from other people. I'm generally much more confident now, thankfully, because I think I've been in it for so long. I know how it works. There are times, however, you know, I do stumble, especially when new things are thrown at me. So things like something I, I'm not really that confident about, like a certain type of product, you know, within Lucid or, you know, the technical sort of stuff. I, you know, I would be like, oh God, I, I need to prepare myself. I need to read up about this. I need to, whereas some people I've seen just naturally are gifted and just get it quite quickly. So with that, I do have to lean on a lot of people at, at currently. Uh, but overall, you know, I, I, I'm independent. I get on with things myself. I don't get micromanaged. I don't want to be micromanaged. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, he um, does. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, that's another conversation. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for that reason, yes, I mean, you know, the support is still there. And my, my line manager is amazing. It's always there for me. He has so much time for me. He's incredible. And so are the, you know, the, the leaders above him. And it's fine. It's, I, I'm not worried about it. I don't feel, oh, my God, I'm asking for help. And so I I don't shy away from that at all. Mm. I just wondered what sort of has enabled you to feel confident enough to ask those questions. What's the shift there or what happened? And was it purely Mm. just about you or or was it also what enabled that within you? See, I think that, yeah, that's a good question, actually. I think that shift happened perhaps when I started seeing what I am worth and seeing the success and seeing you know, the sort of new business I was bringing or the clients I was bringing or the revenue I've been bringing. And I think I always go back to that and see that actually I'm worth something. And, and for that reason, I, I, I'm good at my job. I know what I'm doing. I'm surely doing something right. So for that reason, yeah, I, I'm, I'm much better now. It's, it's really it's really helped me. I mean, there are times I'm like, oh my God, you know, I can't do that. Or, or I, I, I lean on other people just to sort of cover. But most of the time I'm good and I'm, it's getting better. I mean, I'm not perfect, but it's, yeah, I'm in a better place. Yeah. And did you have any particular role models or was there anything that helped you to get there? Yeah, well, I've worked with some amazing people. I mean, in Toluna alone, I had around about 10 managers who were all amazing. There were a few key managers that I worked with that really helped me. And the reason why supporting me, I think they got to know who I was and they saw how much I tried and it's all the dedication I, I put in into whatever I was doing. In fact, I remember perhaps being the only one cold calling whereas everyone else was so reluctant to do that. And so I think that one sort of advantage or that one skill that I perhaps nailed, a lot of people weren't able to do that. So that made me that, oh, you know, that's, that's got something special that not many people like to do. Okay. And and how would you sort of describe your experience in the industry overall? Has it been easy to navigate? I would describe my experience as a very positive, enjoyable overall. And, you know, I have made some amazing friends along the way who I still keep in touch with. Being in, the, in this industry has given me a lot and has shaped me the person I am today. Maybe the obstacles that I've faced, there have been empowerment and not feeling perhaps entitled to answer questions, like I've said. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably because of self-doubt and the intimidation I perhaps felt. So it's probably more of my own little sort of insecurities. You know, neither sort of did I speak up about my opinions when it was needed in the earlier days. Again, I suppose that was to do with being in a junior role and not being given that support, that importance because I was like a support role and not the actual sales body. So along the way, I learned on the job and I didn't really hone on the experiences from education. But, you know, I've got some examples actually I can, I can share Yeah, about. please, that would be great. Uh, I love some examples. So, <laughs> so like, I, you know, I remember in the early days how, how my emails were collected and I started 
so it sounded like it was coming from a director level and yeah so I do remember that and I was like okay this is okay this is just us learning and we need to cone it so it's looking like it's coming from them which is I guess fine but I don't know when I look at it now I'm like actually why can't I use my language to respond but that's another thing um, mm, well that's then, interesting just do you mind if we quickly just talk about that a tiny bit yeah of course yeah so so it's interesting that you reflect now and say actually your language might have been okay well yeah it's just simpler that's all <laughs> right and so that that's really fascinating and so when you email now and I mean you are a director now right what style do you write in now and is it more I, in line with how the corrections were made to your emails now what I do is make sure it's, it's clear concise it makes sense and I just make sure it's clear simple English there's no need to make it sound you know very elaborate or, or, or in, in that sort of um, on that level no I, I keep it so it's, it's they just understand straight away I don't see the reason why it needs to be in this sort of high level English no mm. so it sounds and, like and it works and it yeah. works <laughs> it sounds like maybe you've been able to embrace your own personality within that a bit more is that is that fair to say that no, absolutely I think now my, I try to put my personality through my emails and yeah that's exactly how I do it. But yeah, I don't try to be somebody else or act like somebody else or try to sound very superior than what I am. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's um, that's a really great example. And sorry, I cut you off. I know you were going to go on to share some some more examples. So do well, carry this, on. This is this is actually interesting. What and in fact, I spoke to a few colleagues about this podcast and just to retake my memory and. I said, oh, this is really interesting. So there were also times of perhaps in banter with a mm. colleague of mine, you know, who was from the similar background who joined with me. We were teased about how we spoke. Mm-hmm. So I remember saying something along the lines of what we both did, like, I'm going shot. And then we were often corrected by others saying, are you meant to say, I'm going to the shop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great example. <laughs> I know, and, I, and even there was another one where and my colleague actually reminded me of this. Oh, she used to say ox a lot, not ox. Yeah, ox instead of us. Oh. Yep. <laughs> you heard of that one? I have, yeah. I was in a play actually once with this girl, and it was really funny because she kept saying ox instead of ask, and the director was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You've got to be aware of this. You can't keep saying arc. <laughs> exactly. But the reason why that is, is because where I was from, I spoke a lot in slang. So mm-hmm. this stayed with me. And when I started employment, of course, it was noticed. I mean, God, I can not be noticed. Many people perhaps, I don't know, maybe, maybe many people perhaps would have taken it offensively. But I chose to laugh it off just to adapt. Mm. Mm. Interesting. And did you, did it consciously make you reflect and try and change the way? Would you change, you know, would you say, I'm going to the shops in future or would you just carry on, you know, as you naturally would? Uh, I think, I think because it made everyone laugh and it was something hilarious for them. I, I perhaps think we continued because it was just a joke. But I know for a fact that if I had to talk to perhaps someone else, I might have changed it. So it, it was, yeah, it was different. But, but yeah, it was just about adapting because it was funny. But then also I do recall thinking, oh, my God, I feel so daft as well. Mm. You know, that, oh, I feel, I feel daft. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a joke, I yeah. guess, for people who don't normally speak like that. But that's how you usually speak. Um, slightly it's uncomfortable. A, I think it's like, you know, when you get sort of criticised about something. Yeah. It's, you know, that feeling, you're like, oh, my God. 
Yeah. Oh, God. That's embarrassing. Yeah, I had a similar experience, actually, when I was at a drinks party, and there were a few people there, and one of one of my colleagues at the time decided to say, Ella, wh- why do you speak like that? Like, why why are you speaking like that? I don't get it. You, you grew up in Oxford. And it's like, well, yeah, I did, but not like Oxford is... <laughs> yes, yeah, not Oxford. You, I, didn't, I definitely didn't go to university. And, you know, like, but yeah, and, and I, actually, I didn't find it funny. <laughs> I was really pissed off, but... Uh, you know <laughs> I know because I think that clearly like the example you shared you know you kind of well I don't know for me I, you kind of leave it a bubble in your local area that you grew up in and then expect it to adapt and mould to this business world quite quickly you know yeah. and, and it's just you know you're, you're at school and you're at college and uni and you, and you speak a particular way and then you know when you start employment quite quickly after obviously you graduate you have to change your tone and you know, the way you speak and sometimes it doesn't leave you yeah, and I think what's interesting, isn't it, for me, is that everyone has to do that, right, to a certain extent. You enter a professional yeah. environment, everyone has to. But I think, and I don't know, I'd be interested to hear your experience. For me, I feel like people from more middle, upper class backgrounds had the tools and the language to be able to adapt yeah. much more easily without really having to try too much in a way that I feel like I had to kind of work much harder or things were sort of brought to my attention in that way or other ways that maybe didn't come naturally to me. Oh, I fully agree. I absolutely fully agree. I think that's definitely probably a disadvantage for me and, you know, as you said for yourself as well and perhaps a lot of other people, working much harder to sort of match that level of these seniors that I was working with. Absolutely, I agree. Um, and did you, have, <laughs> did you have any other examples you wanted to share on that one or should we move on? Uh, oh, you guys, you got these examples. <laughs> I do, they're great. Yeah, because they bring them to life, I think, for people and especially people who, who aren't haven't entered from a more diverse, background these are things that they aren't necessarily going to be thinking about or aren't even particularly aware of and why would they be right so I think it's so interesting just to hear how what quite can be quite small things on the surface I I get what you're saying I think things like you know obviously there was just the two of us Asian females in the sales department and I suppose there was fascination with food and things so a lot of it sort of, oh tell us about like, the curries and things and then I used to I remember going to my um line manager's house and making curries for her so but it was all very lovely and nice and, and they were obviously embracing um the new culture that they were learning as well but yeah it was all very pleasant and it was something that they they, they were trying to adapt to as well and they found fascinating so I think yeah I mean but they it was quite clear there was such a huge difference you know, there was such there was such a difference, and that we perhaps at that time weren't able to match their their you know level of communication and and their knowledge and and, and everything that goes with it. I think that's what was yeah really really quite striking actually and I mean you mentioned this sort of in passing earlier just about that it maybe took you longer to get promoted I'd love to hear a bit more about that oh gosh absolutely um with with that I think it took me as it took me a bit longer to understand things and gain the knowledge of the industry because I had to work harder and I had to constantly prove myself so because I I perhaps I didn't speak up a lot I wasn't outspoken um at that point and I was just going by doing the daily job. I perhaps didn't ask for a promotion when I mm. felt it was necessary. So I think when it all happened was when I was pretty much released and it was like, right, you know, I can't hold you down anymore and you have to do this. So it was based after, what, two years, I remember, after it's like, right, you have to now 
try to do this. So yeah, it was it was daunting. I remember it being very daunting. But yeah, it took a while. It definitely took a while, and it certainly hindered. Much, you know, anyone else probably would have got promoted much sooner. Did you see others? Definitely. Yeah. Did you see others getting promoted sooner around you? At that point. Obviously, because we were a new startup, it, it was steady. They weren't, they, they weren't keen on doing promotions quite quickly. But as time went by, and I'm, I'm probably going to get to this after, is because of the fact that I chose to make a family, mm. that that made a difference. And that definitely impacted me on, on promotion. Interesting. Okay. And would you say that you feel like you can join in and sort of actively be in the industry with, with a voice? Yes. Now, Recently, I mean, especially with Lucid and what they offer, they offer to be independent, to do what I want. So recently, I was making a conscious effort to attend, you know, most MR businesses, social events like Wire that, you know, we, you know, I arranged and I attended. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the way I'm trying to be heard, seen, a network. So, yeah, like, I mean, presenting is probably not my preference. And because it's a one-way conversation, so due to my personality, I prefer, you know, sort of networking and going to the events and, mm-hmm. and doing sort of pitches that way. So yeah, so when it when I started, it was perhaps a challenge to to do things like that. But however, I've learned to overcome it, you know, with the help of my predecessors. So in terms of a voice, that gradually I gradually managed to sort of grow grow that and develop it and and learn that there's no need to feel fair and it's interesting you 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 talk about um you know joining lucid and and sort of being given the autonomy i suppose at the company to do it does i don't know really much about the makeup of lucid is it a diverse company lucid is the most diverse workplace i have ever seen they are incredible i mean we have eight asian female leaders we have a black leader as well we have asian females in sales we have pakistanis we have all different ranges so i i think lucid are just amazing in 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 adapting this and making sure they are enforcing it so yeah i'm I'm just so happy to to be part of it and just to talk about it more and more Mm. and Thankfully, it is things are changing. So from what from when I started, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so that's really fascinating to me, right? That you're working in a sort of very diverse company with diverse leaders, and yeah, I, and I'm wondered what that difference really makes. What it feels like for you as an employee there. I feel free. I feel independent. I feel I am who I am, and therefore I don't need to constantly prove myself. I know my worth. And I certainly get respected for it at my new workplace anyway. <laughs> you know, everyone values you for, for who you are. I'm a mother of two, so they've got, you know, lots of responsibilities as well. And they give me the flexibility. They they really know me. They know what perhaps my strengths and weaknesses are. But they will never, ever criticize me or put me down. Or I, I'm just so thankful to be working for, for an organization like this. And any issues, I will freely tell them actually I, I'm not happy about this or you know oh this is good or mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm always being heard and, mm-hmm. and whether you know whether that's because of I don't know my background or it, everyone is treated equally there that's another thing I have to give no one gets any preference. That's really great to hear that there's companies doing well within the industry like Lisa would say that I, I'm really pleased 
to hear that and I'm really pleased for you as oh, well thank you. yeah so we've talked about not getting promoted quickly enough and, and maybe that's a way in which your background has hindered you and I just wondered if the opposite could be said you know if there's any ways in which you'd say that your background has helped you in, in your career yes I think so I think bringing in different perspectives just having a different background a lot of people get fascinated by that my just being me really and just having a lot more to talk about things like you know sort of cultural things ethnic things people like that and so whether that's just you know internally or even externally you know it's something that I share often and I think because of my background and the fact that I'm probably a bit different to a lot of Asian females in, in sort of MRSL's um, role I think that has helped yes I think so. Yeah, I think it has in terms of... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think my background necessarily has impacted on, on my career progression. So I think it's probably more because I'm a female and decided to make a family mm-hmm. is where I may have been hold back, held back, so, which is a global issue, right? It's mm-hmm. not even... You know, but at the same time, I which was really interesting. I mean, but interesting, actually. Having taken two maternities, it did impact my career progression, I recall being on the same par, same position actually with another colleague when I returned back from maternity leave and he literally been promoted twice in that time, wow. whereas I had to take a demotion because I needed to be part-time. So that was a bit of a slap in the face. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but then, you know, I, I've been so fortunate, you know, very quickly I, I was lucky to have found a company that offered me the right job level. Um, you know, I didn't have to take a pay cut or lose my position. Greatly appreciate that it offered me flexible hours, four days, which didn't even doesn't even exist, you know, in, in the <laughs> yeah. role I do. Honestly, doesn't. And you know, who valued me because of the skills experience that I had obtained. And they didn't take, they didn't even force me to take a step down, just you know, with all those requirements I had, which I'm so thankful for. So. Yeah, but but yeah, why should we be impacted by having a family? So yes, really great. There are companies out there where that doesn't play a factor, but equally annoying that and outraging that 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 there are places where that does happen. And, and it's interesting actually that you mentioned being a woman. You've got a few things going on really when it comes to diversity. And I don't know how possible this is. I think this is quite a challenging question, really. But you said quite firmly there, being a woman, that I I can really clearly see that that has disadvantaged me and I just wondered if there if you could draw draw distinctions between the low income background versus not being white versus being a woman and, and whether there were any other kind of subtle distinctions yeah there's one I mean talking about obviously this example I shared when you know came back from maternity and then noticed this this chap had been promoted a yeah. couple of times and why uh, when I think about it I think actually he was privately schooled mm-hmm. you know he's why? <laughs> but um, yeah, I think those those elements do make a factor. And again, I think it being female and the fact that I decided to have a family, maybe the worry was that I was going to go have another baby again, which then doesn't help with productivity and 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 obviously revenue generating for the business. So it's yeah, there are some things that do sort of I, I do think wow. And yeah, I mean, someone being in the in an organisation without having to take a break, yes, they're you know, they're loyal and obviously well, not that I was loyal, but you know, they they are easily able to go up the ladder, especially a male. I mean, and in that organisation, it was the leaders are very male heavy mm-hmm. as well. So I think yes, gender, yeah. fascinating, gender and yeah, and and good and good education from a higher income background, yes, yeah. 
Interesting. Okay. And would you say there are any sort of, so anyone listening, I suppose, to this podcast who is not coming or not in the industry from a more diverse background, are there any kind of blind spots or things that you think they might not notice or might miss in terms of the experiences of someone in the industry from a diverse background? Yes. So I think, you know, this whole requirement in a job description so like a minimum degree is required, it should be based on culture fit, competency mm. and not necessarily academic achievement. I personally don't think my degree necessarily helped me much in the early days of employment. So I, I don't understand why that's essential. And also talking about high you know, income and low income, you know, given the high fees of a, obtaining a uni degree nowadays, which is what, currently 9,200, mm-hmm. you know, I suppose only candidates from high income backgrounds will join, say, the MR industry if they are going to keep enforcing this degree you know, requirement. You know, degree requirement, in my opinion, should be scrapped. And another thing is that you don't see many Asian, black, female or male leaders in sales roles other than Lucid, to be fair. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do, however, wonder whether that's because, I don't know, of the tough targets associated or perhaps the industry isn't doing enough to attract these kinds of people or advertising is not done well enough to attract the diverse mix. So mm-hmm. I think those are those are the sort of things I, I think, blind spots that I think people, a lot of people are missing. That's super helpful. And and what what do you think the industry can learn from your experiences? There's a few things. So looking back at my experience of what perhaps I would have liked is like a mentoring system. So mm-hmm. rather than just having to get on with a job, it's important to highlight the challenges so someone could help you and develop, develop you along the way. You know, in my current workplace, I have a wonderful mentor, my manager, who I seek for help anytime. And, you know, I feel I have that development dream, streamline there, which I can, you know, sort of use anytime. I think also more training to help and shape you in preparation for the next step of the career path. So like, for, for example, what I like to share is helping me, you know, I would have loved to have someone help me transition from the support role to the sales role in ease. Thankfully, you know, I came out all okay on the other side <laughs> um, without failing. But the concept pressure was there. And I think sort of furthermore, like, you know, more opportunities, sort of clear career paths, you know, what ways we could steer our careers into. And, you know, like I've said, just being more outspoken, being included in some vital business decisions. So I think, yeah, that's probably what personally would have helped. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really helpful and, and insightful. And I think, I guess I, I wonder whether you think more could be done by organisations or industry bodies and, and if so, who and what might that look like? Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think when you sort of join a, a company, especially in the earlier days of your career, you know, like a mentoring system is, is a must. And sort of regular reviews and checking in, not just checking in about the job or or the revenue or the clients just checking in that how are you doing what can we do to help you to develop yourself which I constantly get asked at my current role but perhaps you know there's been times in the the past where I I didn't get that and so that definitely hindered development progression yeah no that makes that makes a lot of sense and are there any kinds of tangible actions that that people could take to engender better feelings of inclusion and diversity generally i think we all could play a part i think clearly with the more events occurring you know diversity is spoken about much more now so i feel we're getting there so perhaps 
further awareness on certain specific diverse individuals, such as like highlighting disability or even those who suffer from mental health should be considered. I mean, how can we do this? We can initiate mentoring programs. This will perhaps increase employee satisfaction and most will feel their voices being heard, which will be nice, you know, yeah. um, and offer internal and external training programs and run these often, not just once in a blue moon. And like having like an internal diversity and exclusion team lead overseeing it all, you know, someone that's responsible for it. So someone sort of answerable within an organisation. Yes, absolutely. I think that will really help. And then leaders and everyone will sort of take it seriously. And I think a lot of people will be really excited to be involved in something like that, you know, it's something talking about themselves and what should be changed and you know they perhaps will have some contribution towards you know who gets hired as well yeah so I think everyone should be involved you get everyone involved why not great suggestion and so what advice would you give to somebody with a similar background to you starting their career market research today there are a lot so I would say ask questions be yourself and it's okay to have insecurities and it's okay to be wrong. No one's perfect. <laughs> yeah. um, don't accept to be micromanaged. You'll get more respect for being independent, for sure. Uh, take on challenges, even if you feel a little uncomfortable. Take on additional tasks and responsibilities if you can. Understanding the career path, especially the duration it takes as well, or all the sort of average duration it should take. Another thing I think is really important, I don't think a lot of people do, is logging achievements as well. Mm. So when it comes to reviewing you know, your review stage, you have it all to hand and it's, it's all logged and it's it's something to say, bang, 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 this is what I've done, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> what, what can I be rewarded? And, you know, just talk to your colleagues and get as much as out of them and learn from them. And I think finally and most importantly, you know, be proud of, of your role and your position, even if it's junior, you'll, you'll shine more and, mm. and you'll be sort of, you know, reach them and, and, and uh, the rewards coming after that. Great advice. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully inspiring for, okay. you know, aspiring market researchers. And I mean, so, so overall, I suppose, how do you feel like the, the industry is currently doing? It sounds like you're in a really good company that maybe is ahead of, of others. So I wonder how you feel overall the industry is doing. Yes, yeah, so I think there's, there's always room for improvement. You know, we're seeing a lot of webinars, events, LinkedIn posts, so many people making an effort to talk about it openly. However, I personally think some companies are still using the old ways. So still asking for a degree or only hiring those who, who are from sort of high income background or, you know, sort of race colour. And also, I see people still hiring white people for senior roles. In fact, actually, I spoke to my best friend who works for a very well-known organisation in the industry. And she told me that she doesn't know anyone at her workplace who doesn't have a degree. So they all have a degree mm. and, and, and in some, you know, sort of, sort of class structure. You know, I, I'm, I'm seeing a change at my workplace, for instance. You know, I work, as I say, I work for a very diverse workforce. I couldn't speak about those who are from my low-income background, actually, because I think most tend to keep that quietly. That's something mm. that a lot of people perhaps feel a bit ashamed to talk about. Which is interesting I mean, in itself. <laughs> it is, fast, it is. Yeah. How would you, how would you, <laughs> How would you know who is yeah. background? And how is it defined as well? I think I asked you that as well. How is that defined? Yeah, and I, um, don't, I don't have an answer either, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, <laughs> um, it's not simple, is it? It's, it's no. not simple at all. It's complicated and complex. And I think it, what's interesting about these conversations on the podcast is it gives a space to sort of unpick that a little bit and look at the experiences and just see 
what it feels like but that sort of sense of shame or feeling like you want to hide that from people I think that's fascinating I think it's quite prevalent I don't know how you feel absolutely there is a lot of sort of shame but even you know mental health as well I mean that is obviously you know, a diversification and with people who suffer from mental health they are so ashamed to talk about that I mean talking about this pandemic now a lot of people must be struggling with anxiety, with, mm-hmm. you know, some breakdowns quite often. But a lot of people are probably not talking about it because of fear of losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though there is all these, like, sort of strategy and these plans in place, probably in every organisation to talk about, you know, mental health, I don't think a lot of people are expressing it and, and opening up about it. Interesting. Mm. So we are nearing the end. I guess my, my final question, actually it's my penultimate question, oh. is what are your hopes for the future of the industry when it comes to these issues? I honestly feel with coming a long way you know i feel there's so much dialogue but the next step is to really take action and implement them across the board i think the likes of the mrs you know the sort of big organizations they really need to step it up and really try to help and set an example you know it's, it's positive it's, it's a podcast and the you know mrs are pushing a lot of diversity and inclusion types of events often and so is Maya, where we met. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, I also hear there's a, a like a Maya or you know a Menin research event coming up soon, and, and a BAME initiative, mm-hmm. um, led by my colleague. So watch this space. So uh, yeah, I think it's it's you know it's going the right way. I mean, how do you feel? How do oh, you feel? good question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks putting it back on me. Yeah, no. I mean, uh, I think I think like you, I'm pleased to see there's discussion. I'm not quite as positive, I have to say. I feel like there's a lot of discussion. I'm not sure that the action is necessarily always always reflects those discussions. Yeah. So I'm slightly, mm, I don't want to say sceptical. I'm slightly, you know, I'm happy that it's being talked about more. I'm happy that there's things changing. I've heard of the BAME, the network that's being started. I think that's being started by people of colour working in the industry, though, right? Rather than that's that right. being driven by an industry body. Is that is that yeah. correct? Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, like I feel like the onus maybe is more on people from diverse backgrounds having to sort of fight the cause as opposed to it being an issue. And I, and it makes sense, you know, it's systemic. These issues yeah. are long held and, and but it doesn't mean that, that that's an excuse. And I think that it yeah. because they're uncomfortable issues often, I think yeah. uh, there's a bit of approach avoidance going on and actually I would like to see more action than talk but I'm happy there is talk still (laughs) so I don't want to be too negative but yeah I mean from when I started to hardly hearing much of this to what I'm seeing now there's definitely a lot of talk and yes I agree the next step is just take action implement them and I think that you know the big organizations and big actual um, you know leaders need to need to do that (laughs) agreed cool I'm glad you feel positive that's good so that leads me to my final question I asked everyone to choose a song that encapsulates your experiences of your career in market research so maybe you could just tell me a bit about the song you chose oh yes I think it's just me and it was like it's an old song but I used to sing a lot and yeah I think love 
love, I just love the, the content, the words behind that. I think, you know, it sort of symbolizes, you know, I want to be strong. I wanna, you know, pal- and it's just when, when I'm having a hard time, I, I tend to sort of refer to the, the melody and, and, the, and the, the word behind that because it just makes me confident. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I can do this. I can do this. Anytime I feel low or down or, oh, my God, I need to push myself. I hear that. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of giving me the uplift. I <laughs> love it. And hopefully our <laughs> listeners will, will feel that too when I, when I play some so thank you so much Reg that's been um, super interesting super helpful I've loved having you as a guest oh wonderful thank you so much as your day unfolds challenge what the future holds try and keep your head up to the sky lovers they may cause you tears go ahead release your fears stand up and be counting don't be ashamed to cry you gotta be Thanks for listening and join me next week when I'll be speaking to Stephen Lacey, founder of The Outsiders. <laughs>